If you are looking for holistic wisdom and a plan to reclaim your fertility to help you create a healthy family for generations to come, you're in the right place. This is Fertile Minds Radio. Hello, hello. Today is a happy happy day for me, even though I am holding what feels like complete opposite of emotions, basically, of what's happening in the world. But I'm happy because this is a topic that I've wanted to come to you with for a very long time. It's something that I've only talked to people one-on-one behind closed doors, and it's time. It's time for it to be birthed. And interestingly enough, I have written and recorded this podcast before and then had complete uh, technological malfunctions. So it just wasn't ready. And now I feel like it is ready. (laughs) She is crowning and ready to be birthed. So here we are at episode of 100 of the podcast. And trust me when I say that is a personal victory for me on so many levels. So I hope you are as happy to hear my voice as I am to be recording. So I've been thinking about what I wanted to share with you to commemorate this, you know, hundred episodes and a lot of hosts will do like a best of, or what I've learned on the pod. And I didn't really feel called to do something like that. When I pair with the spirit of my business, it really was kind of pushing me to go deep. Um, And you know that I don't really swim in the shallow end. If you've listened to this podcast or know me on a personal level, that's not how I roll. So this podcast is definitely not going to be in the shallow end. So um, get your swimmies on and we're, we're going to take a deep dive together. Um, I want to talk to you about something that might be a little controversial, but I think necessary to at least consider when you're talking about creating life and walking the path of a journey towards becoming a parent. I want to have an intimate conversation with you about spirituality, what it means to me, the place that it serves in my life and how that came to be as it evolved, and how I see it as an integral part of the work that I do as a fertility coach for all of you. Specifically, the framework for what I call a conscious conception is what we're going to talk about today, and that is really the backbone of my work. When I look back and I look at how I've approached helping people, this has always been there. It's just I wasn't really willing to give it a name or even admit that this is how I work. I think why I've had such pause about talking about it is because for me, spirituality is such a deeply personal, intimate thing. And when you say the word uh, spiritual in our current lexicon, for a lot of people that still brings up religion, I'm not talking about religion. I am one of the most religious tolerant people you will ever meet. I could have minored in religion at the University of Florida if they had offered that uh, just because I was fascinated with it. But I am not here to preach to you or tell you what to believe. I am here today to talk to you about your connection to and relationship with something bigger than yourself and how your higher self actually connects into that. I truly don't believe, much like conception, that spirituality is something that someone could hand you a manual for. I think it happens over time. It grows as you nurture it. And 
And it's a practice because of its intimate relationship and because it's something that is developed as you evolve as a human in your relationship with your creator or whatever you want to call that force bigger than you deepens over time. And that's kind of in essence why it's called a spiritual practice, right? There's no right or wrong way to do it, um, even though dogmatic religions would have a very different view on that. It's For me, it's more about the continually coming back to the well to refine your understanding of all that ever is and ever will be and why we're here. Like, why as a human being did 7 billion of us show up on this rock that is hurling around space, around a ball of fire at an unfathomable speed, yet we don't feel it, and we're expanding into a cosmos at a speed that most of our brains can't actually comprehend, filled with black holes. And in fact, in an anatomical level, we as human beings are actually filled with energetic black holes. We are more empty space animated by light than we are physical matter. So that is something that, you know, at age 10, 20, even 30, I don't even think would have figured into how I look at spirituality but today it absolutely does. And in fact, it, it kind of brings me back to the magic and the awe and the miracles that we all are just being here. <laughs> just the fact that I am alive and talking to you about this. And I, when I think about where we all came from is these little tiny germ cells, like we are a miracle. And I, I just, I'm so in love with that. So The idea of a conscious conception is definitely not something I made up. This has been around for a really long time, probably because humans since the beginning of time have really contemplated the role of how does the divine create life? Does it? When does life begin? Is it the moment that we ovulate? Is it the moment that we let sperm come out of our bodies? Is it the moment that there's a union and infertilization with that? Is it a certain point in pregnancy? Is it a, is it as soon as the baby takes its first breath? Like what is the role of the divine in creating life? And I'm not here to give you the answers, but I just want you to understand that this has been a question that humans have fought and killed over and politicized since the beginning of time. And because it has to do with spirituality. I feel like the concept of a conscious conception has been sort of like swept under the rug. Although I will say when you Google it now, there are so many more people talking about it than there were just five years ago when I was like, yeah, this is something I think I want to talk about when I finally have a podcast. So I am hopeful that this isn't just me talking about it and that there's a place for this within our lexicon and within our society again. In the past, it was probably only something that you would hear from a female mentor, like a bit older and wiser than you, maybe in closed circles. And unfortunately, we don't really tend to gather in circles with women of varying ages anymore. Many of us don't have a crone archetypal woman in our life that we go to for counsel for these sort of things. And for some of us, unfortunately, our mothers don't even fill that role either, maybe because they aren't here on this plane anymore we aren't close. Uh, maybe this type of talk is off limits to them, or maybe you have just like very opposing religious views from your parents and you feel like you can't talk to them about this. 
So there's so many reasons why this might be the case of something that you've never really contemplated or even said out loud. But nevertheless, I do think that this is the kind of communion and wisdom to help bring us on the path of a conscious conception that we really need. Otherwise, we end up thinking that it doesn't work or acting in a very disempowered way to our connection to spirit or to the connection of spirit to your future family. So I, I feel like every family has a spiritual signature. And again, I don't mean religious. I mean the energetic imprint, right? It kind of contains the whole story. And this is what I encourage people to start to try and tap into and to connect to. I feel so strongly that the concept of a conscious conception needs to be reinvigorated in our way of creating life, that I have actually created my signature program around it. Now, more than ever, we need the counsel of other women from varying perspectives as so many of us struggle to conceive and to understand why conception has gone from this thing that we were scared of because we thought it could happen so easily and you know, pregnancy might derail our path in life to all of a sudden being on this fertility journey that can sometimes feel impossible and very isolating. So the program that I created actually seeks to unify us together, even those of us who have different religious or non-religious backgrounds, in this way that we can connect to the spirit of our families, even the spirit of our unborn child. I feel about as strongly about this as I do that fertility challenges are an environmental issue of epic proportions, which we're going to talk about very soon. Um, But that's besides the point. So I'm going to give you the traditional definition of a conscious conception. It includes the physical aspects of preconception care, and then it adds in a spiritual dimension of preparation. It engages the feminine principle of receiving It presupposes a spiritual realm from which a baby's spirit or life force can be invited into the earthside life or the earthside plane, and it is modified to suit spiritual belief of the mother and or the parents. Now, I've seen this work from Muslims to Christians to Buddhists and even with agnostics. It spiritualizes sexuality, conception, pregnancy, and birth. It allows for a greater purpose and can thus relieve some burden from the woman as she tries to conceive, helping her to feel like she is in co-creation rather than totally responsible for the creation itself. It allows for practice, for ritual, for meaning that can also permit depth psychology work and meaningful practices that help to restore and reduce stress. And also reinvigorates the sex life for some couples. So this type of work can help you to get to the best version of yourself before the child arrives, which you know I'm all about. And when I say best version, please don't confuse that with you need to be better than you are in this moment. You are whole and pure, just as you are with or without child. When I say best version, what I'm really talking about is you being in alignment with your higher self your sacred values, your principles, and really sticking to that authentic part of you. Because I feel like if we are invoking spirit to come live out its destiny, or what some people might say is karma, with us on this path of life, 
doesn't there need to be an energetic fit, so to speak, right? Of their needs, desires, and our energetic signature, right? So this is not something where you can like try on the perfect spiritual signature. It is literally about unfolding into your own most authentic version of you. When I think about it this way, it also backs up my other philosophy that your children are your greatest teachers. So if you can think about it as if your future child is acting through the divine as your teacher before they even get here to this physical plane, to really kind of push you to say, hey, I know myself. I know what I need. I know who I am. I know how to connect to something bigger than myself. This is what I've got. Like I feel like all your decisions and parenting become so much easier. Um, how how you will feel in pregnancy, how you will feel when things don't go right as a parent, like getting that right now is such a huge gift. And so I like to think of that in a like a playful way, not a heavy way, as if your future child is kind of like, hey, I need you to do this and then I'll come. So what I want to take a minute to talk about before we go into the framework of what a conscious conception is, at least through the way that I teach it, is I want to talk about what it is not. And I'm going to give you an example with some thought work from a client that was struggling with the spiritual component of conception, because I think it's something that a lot of people can relate to, no matter if you have a religion or not. So she was having a really hard time because she thought that her spirituality was something that defined her in this life and didn't understand why it didn't seem to be lining up for her in the case of conception. So she was a yoga teacher with a meditation practice, and she thought because she had those things in place and on lockdown that she really didn't even have to look at the spiritual component of her journey because she felt really fulfilled with her practices. And after a little bit of digging, we found that there was a thought that was causing a bit of a hitch in the giddy-up, so to speak. It wasn't that her spiritual life wasn't intact or needed an overhaul or was like, you know, had no pulse. It was that she needed to examine what she was thinking and believing about the universe and its role in her conception. So in this, in this particular person, their idea was not dogmatic of spirituality. It was very much universal. And I want to share this example because I think it's really common and a thought for a lot of you. Um, no matter where you come from in your pursuit of spirituality. And I think that it can be confusing of how we engage in a conscious conception if we don't tend to these sneaky little thoughts like this. So her thoughts were, the universe is in charge. It's going to do what it wants to do. Now, these thoughts can be freeing or frustrating, depending on your stance. And I think sometimes we choose these thoughts when we are at our wit's end. Like everything I'm doing isn't working, so I'm going to blame the universe or just agree to think that it's not my destiny or it's not my time. And this can be an initial relief from the discomfort that we feel when we see our period or it's another missed opportunity or maybe we have a miscarriage or you know an IVF cycle's gone wrong or our foster child's been reunited with their birth parents, like all these number of things that can seemingly go quote unquote wrong, right? And this thought that the universe is in charge 
It can help, but it's only momentarily. It's a low attachment, low engagement thought. It's kind of like giving into an urge to eat a cookie when we're on a diet. It takes away the burden and the negative feelings momentarily in a wave of relief, but it doesn't do anything for our heartfelt desire to be healthy, or in this case, to have a child. And the real issue is though, is long-term, if we continue to feel this way and let it shape our belief about spirit, because remember, a belief is just a repeated thought, it gives all of our power away. It can start to actually become this rift in between us and our connection to something bigger, because who wants to be in relationship with something where we're just being controlled, right? If we aren't careful, it can make us feel like, why bother at all about anything? And it's sneaky because it's low attachment, but it's also usually low engagement in the way that we can tell ourselves that we don't have to do anything to get pregnant other than have sex because the universe will take care of the rest. So let's explore her model a little bit deeper because I feel like it's great to understand the thoughts, but we always want to see how the thought is creating our result or our reality so that we can decide if we want to shift it or not. So if you aren't familiar with the model, I talk about it all the time. It's from the Life Coach School. We've done a few episodes on it. This is really like the crux of what we do in our group coaching program is we learn to self-coach and help coach each other when we're stuck. So the gist is, is that all circumstances are neutral until we have a thought about them. Our thoughts create our feelings or our emotions. And in humans, emotions drive our actions. All actions create our results because the brain is always trying to prove itself correct through bias filtering, through cognitive bias. Our results always match or mirror our thought line. Okay. So in the case of this client, she was low attachment, high engagement, or so she thought. That's the sweet spot of where we want to be, but she was really low attachment, low engagement with this thought. Her thoughts and feelings were coloring all of her engagement in a negative way, and I'll show you how in her model. So her C line, her circumstance was my fertility, the T line, the thought is the universe is always going to do what it wants to do, the F, she was feeling frustrated, and in the way that she showed up when she was thinking this thought and feeling frustrated is just going through the motions of what she quote unquote should do. Um, the energy behind her action was frustrated. That was what was driving her into doing all of her so-called high engagement priorities, right? So if you've ever been frustrated and taken that with you into doing, like I know I have done that and it's not pretty. So it also led her to the action of not wanting to take any action at all, but the feeling of it doesn't matter and like why bother just kept showing up and making her feel even more and more and more defeated. So it's this kind of reminder that we take our feelings with us wherever we go, right? And she had kind of started to veer away from self-coaching and meditation and prayer, all the things that put you in alignment with co-creation. And she started over-focusing on the doing instead of the being, right? So remember I mentioned that rift that can happen with a thought like this? It did exactly that. It was like, well, why do I engage with this force if it's in control? So I'm going to do what I do as a human and I'm going to do instead of be. So that translated into, you know, 
micromanaging her diet, taking all of the supplements, harping on her partner to do the exact same thing, you know, obsessively tracking her cycle, letting it rule her day, you know, like looking at it first thing. And then that was like really kind of catapulting her mind forward into this frustration. So she was like constantly in go mode instead of be mode. Instead of being in a divine receptive phase, she was in this very forward moving, yang, masculine mode with all kinds of frustration. (laughs) And so what it started to do is just kind of breed more frustration with other things in her life. It was like leaky, right? It was like going into everything else. And her brain was starting to build evidence of like, what I'm doing isn't working. She starts looking for alternatives like IVF, different doctors, um, you know, kind of telling herself that everything I'm doing is is not working, so why bother? And then she ends up like super focused on the how and reworking it over and over and then feeling like she wants to give up and wondering why, right? So we completely lose sight of our why when this happens. And the key is that a conception doesn't involve somehow. I mean, it does involve somehow, right? But it also involves spirit. It involves our intention. Like the why do we want to be parents in the first place? There's still very much magic to human conception. Otherwise, IVF would work 100% of the time in a Petri dish every time, bam. But it doesn't, you know? And sometimes we even like put in perfectly graded embryos and we don't have a pregnancy. And all I can say is that there's still this force, thankfully, other than humanity at work. And so the result or the R line of this is that she actually reinforced the idea that she didn't have control and that the universe does because she was tired of doing all the things and that it wasn't working. She felt totally out of control, even though she was taking massive action, which at first activity feels like control, right? But it's like, it's like eating that cookie. It's momentarily, it's, it's just in that moment that we feel in control, but it's not long lasting. So the actions are actually a mask for how she was feeling underneath. And this is so exhausting, Right. You can only keep this up so long before you quit. This is the wrong way to put your fertility in the hands of spirit. This is not what is meant by the expression of let the universe drive or put it in God's hands. We really have to be clear and check in with ourselves about how we feel about our thoughts concerning spirit, the divine, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it. My friend calls it Gus, God, universe, and source, which I absolutely love. So if you hear me referring to Gus, that's what I'm talking about. And then we all have to be careful not to cross planes. And what I mean by that is that in the physical plane here on earth, we're used very much to the idea of cause and effect. If I do that, I get this. In the spiritual plane, time is not linear because time is a human construct. Communing with the universe requires presence and sometimes stillness and not doing in order to get something from it. I think a better way to think of this is I'm in constant co-creation with the universe or my creator through my thoughts. 
So think about that. Think about if your co-creator was eavesdropping and listening to every single thought that you had, what that co-creation would look like. It's kind of kind of crazily deep, right? <laughs> so when you are taking action from frustration, it actually doesn't yield results. And if it does, what happens is you end up being terrified because you don't know how to trust that the universe has your back, or more importantly, that you have your own back and that you can handle whatever comes next. You can't really ever fully drop in and enjoy something because you feel like you have to always be on the go in order to try and control something from happening or not happening. In the case of pregnancy, you know, if we if we come to our pregnancy through this route, what happens is then your pregnancy becomes filled with fear instead of elation and peace and presence. And what I mean by you having your own back is that you have the self-confidence that you can experience any emotion and get to the other side of it without having to resist it or push it down and avoid it. This is self-confidence that you trust yourself and you trust the process of co-creation with the universe. And this comes from practice. This does not come overnight or from gaining anything external to you. It comes from feeling your feelings, from learning how to observe your thoughts that lead to your feelings, from learning how to differentiate your voice of your own ego from your own intuition to the voice of the divine, if you are someone that is lucky enough to be able to commune in that way auditorially. It comes from learning how to commune with something higher than you. There is no process that I can give you for this that I'm going to say, yes, this works. If you follow X, Y, Z, you will have an answer. It is not as simple as religion. (laughs) There isn't a set of commandments that I can give you and suddenly commune. You have to decide what works for you based on trial, error, prayer, meditation, call and response journaling with your higher self, taking time to be in nature and experience the interconnectedness of all living things. These are all ways that I find I can deepen my connection to source, right? A lot of times I have to be silent and silence is hard for a lot of Westerners, right? The number one thing that someone will tell me why they don't want to meditate is that they don't want to hear their own thoughts. But the crazy thing is, is that the longer you are silent, the less thoughts you actually have. So it doesn't matter what religion you are or if you're agnostic, you get to find your own way of co-creating with the universe in a way that feels right to you, but it only comes from practice and trial and error. And for me, I like to think of my thoughts as my dialogue with my creator. It helps me to be discerning of what is on autoplay up in my mind. When I'm in reactive, patterned, habituated thought spinouts, which happen still, right? Like just because you come to this work doesn't mean that you don't have that. Like my brain still works like everybody else's. When that happens, though, I know that I am not in co-creation with my creator. I am stuck in my ego. Uh, It is that peanut gallery part of my brain that was designed to keep me safe thousands of years ago that is doing the talking. And often 
even in my meditations, I'm not in co-creation. I would say that I have the experience of co-creation maybe 15% of the time in my meditation. Yes, 15, one, five. My meditation is a practice. It's like a tool that I use every day so that I can harness the power of my mind and my thoughts and my day-to-day so that I literally have the ability to focus on being present on whatever is in front of me, whatever task I'm doing. Because for me, that's where the co-creation happens is in the day-to-day, in the mundane tasks. It's often my experiences of co-creation that they come when I am deeply present with myself or someone else in nature, in the shower, or in the treatment room, or coaching, you know, and I'm just, just like me and that person, and that's it, whether there's other people listening or not. So basically, it has to happen for me when I have no distractions, when I'm not thinking of how, when I'm experiencing the exact timing of the present moment, which I often refer to as grace. So grace is this funny concept because I feel like most of us innately know when we feel it, yet we don't always know how to access it, even though it's always available to us. And it's always just kind of like hanging out, waiting, waiting for us to just like lock into the present moment and being able to feel it. And so many of us are just like whizzing by it. So for me, when I'm in the presence of grace, my perception of time gets funny or it seems different from the way in which my human brain typically interprets time. I have no desire to think forward, which is very strange because I was a person that lived completely in the future for a very long time in my life. And it's as if time slows so that I can take it all in with a sense of wonder instead of my thinking brain. It's often in this space that I will have what I call a knowing or on occasion I'll hear words that aren't mine. It's almost like an instruction with the understanding that I have so much respect for what's on the other side that I would immediately oblige it. Like unlike when I'm engaged with my ego in conversation in my head where I oftentimes find that I'm fighting with myself, right? Like if you think about who's listening to my voice right now, right? There's this part of your brain that's listening And then there's this part of your brain that is like continuing to talk with itself, right? (laughs) Which is, that's the peanut gallery, the ego. And we we get mistaken. We think our thoughts are there to always help us. And when the peanut gallery is just left unattended and it's like chatting itself up or yelling with itself, it's just looking for a place to rest. It's not in my best interest, right? Because it's the same voice that'll tell me like, Yeah, I know you're on a diet, but there's like a whole sleeve of Girl Scout cookies in the fridge. And if you don't eat them, your teenagers will. So like you should get up and go eat those. And then I'll eat them and I'll sit back down and I'll be like, man, you're a piece of shit for eating those. Like, why did you do that to yourself? You're on a diet. That is not my higher self. That is my peanut gallery. Okay. So this is what I mean by getting really good at telling the differences (laughs) between the voices in your head. I sound like Joan of Arc right now, but there really are two different parts of your brain talking and listening with itself. So some of you will experience this in prayer. I sadly typically do not. I typically, (laughs) I'll tell you a funny story about me in prayer. It's something I'm getting better at. I love Carolyn Miss's conversations with the divine because I was like, oh my God, somebody actually prays like me where they're just like kind of talking 
at higher power, like it's their buddy and being like, I don't really understand instead of in this formalized way in which I was conditioned in a religious upbringing. But probably about 10 years ago, um, I was working, I wouldn't even say working. I was like sort of starting to like play with the approach of how I prayed. And I kind of was like, man, I don't know how to do this. Like I know how to meditate, which is really weird, but I don't know how to pray. Even though I had, you know, been to church and almost converted to Catholicism at one point in my life. I, I, I didn't know, right. I didn't know if I was doing it right. So I had a good relationship with a local priest. (laughs) He was from uh, South India. So I was like, okay, like he's totally going to get this. Like he understands meditation. And what he said to me was so profound and so helpful. I said, you know, I, I feel like when I'm in prayer, I'm just asking for shit. (laughs) I didn't say shit to him, but like, I'm just asking for things. And if it's a higher power, then like, why am I trying to tell it what to do? (laughs) And I said, you know, I, I have no problem meditating and I have no problem with the gratitude practice. I do it every day, but like this prayer thing, it just feels weird. And I am a person that loves ritual, right? But it still felt weird. And he kind of just like looked at me for, you know, silently for a minute of like, you know, what is this person asking me? And then he said, well, you know, I think that you need to understand that you, you're, you're actually doing it quite right if you're not asking for stuff. He said, you know, starting out by saying what you're grateful for is great. He said, but a lot of people miss the meditative aspect of prayer or the silence that is required to actually hear your prayers be answered. He said, you know, you're doing it a bit backwards in the way that people come to it. He said, Prayer is like dating your God. It is getting to know them in a call and response manner of talking and feeling like you are heard, whether that's because they were your prayers were answered or they weren't, and like how your relationship works, how to connect in. Remember I said it's a practice. And he said meditation is like the old married couple that just, they've been together for 50 years and all they really want to do is sit on their porch in silence and bask in the energy of one another and listen for the internal knowings. And instantly I was like, oh, yes, of course I'm doing things backwards. I do all kinds of things in my life backwards. I used to read Choose Your Adventure stories backwards. True story. So I offer that to you because it really is an intimate way in which we come to connect with our co-creator. But that aside, I have set out maybe some guidelines that you could follow in terms of creating life through conscious conception guidelines. Okay. So there's four of them. So I'm going to go through them real quickly with you. Number one, Decide what you really, really, really want and be specific. I want to be pregnant. I want to be a parent. I want a family. I used to ask, I used to say I wanted a family. I was not very specific. I got a family. I got a huge freaking family instantly. (laughs) Never once did I really like focus in on being pregnant, which I find odd when I look back at it. 
You don't want to come to it like, let's just see what the universe has in store for us. That's a very low engagement way to be. The universe needs you to be clear of your intentions of what you want, not I'll take what I can get. I'll take what I can get is a scarcity mindset and the universe does not have time for that. It wants to co-create with a person vested in creation. It also does not want to tell you what to do and smite you. (laughs) You are one of its greatest creations and it wants to be continually co-creating with you. So be specific. I'm not saying you're going to get exactly that, but be as specific as you can. Number two, don't get stuck in the how. You cannot, you cannot possibly know how you are going to get where you want to go. Oftentimes becoming a parent looks very different than what you imagined in terms of how it would happen. It might be IVF, it might be IUI, it might be a surprise natural pregnancy when someone told you it was never ever going to happen. I have seen that happen so many times. You think you need to know how in order to believe that it will happen, but you really don't. You only need to know that at some point, a sperm and egg will be fertilized and grow into a child that you will parent. This may happen in a Petri dish. It may happen with someone else's genetics. It may happen in your body. It might happen in a surrogate's body. Your child may already be here walking the earth waiting for you. And in my case, that's what happened. I never in a million years dreamed that that's what would happen to me. That's like, that's how I would get my family I wasn't, I wouldn't have even entertained dating somebody with children until that split second, that moment. And it was one of those moments of grace where I was like, oh, this is weird. Time is stopping. I'm taking it all in. What is happening? Okay. I'm just going to go with what is in front of me right now. And for me, that was my husband. I never in that moment would have picked it, but now I wouldn't trade it for anything. So focusing on the how you will become a parent is wasting your precious resources and actual physical and mental energy, and it is wasting your very most precious resource, which is time. Because I'm willing to bet that the feeling that comes with not knowing how or the confusion that spins you out over and over into overwhelm and makes you feel like you're chasing your tail or beating your head against the wall researching over and over how it's going to happen for you and what needs to be fixed in order for it to work. By the way, you are not broken. You do not need to be fixed. But that energy, like you are just giving away your precious time by doing that. So please don't. Please stop. And number three, connect with your future mother self daily. You know, I think of mother as an archetype, a role, I also think of it as a state of being, right? So this part for a lot of you, this number three of connecting with your mother self daily feels really, really scary because there's often an underlying belief that if you dare to hope and envision it and it doesn't work out, that you will somehow be more crushed emotionally than if you hadn't dared to dream and connect with that future version of yourself But what really happens is you just experience despair ahead of time. So think about that. What seems well-meaning and self-protecting is actually harming you right this second. Connect with the the future version of yourself as a mother. That's one of the best things that you can do to get clear on your how. 
because your future self knows what it took. I know that might seem a little trippy and out there, but in quantum physics, this is totally true. Past, present, and future happens all in the same continuum. I have received some of the best advice ever from my future self when I have been courageous enough to connect, to ask, to follow through. What decisions does she make for herself in the name of my family? How does she nourish herself? How does she prioritize her life? What thoughts does she choose to think? What does she need you to know right now in this moment to keep you walking this path? Or do you need to be on a completely different path? What are you wasting your time worrying about? Is she courageous? Is she confident? Is she compassionate? Is she loving? Is she matronly? How does she feel, right? It's important to spend some time each day connecting with the feeling of the future version of yourself as a mother or in the state of mothering. Number four, remember you are in co-creation with the universe, not a disempowered role where everything is decided ahead of time. We are not separate from the universe any more than a wave is separate from the ocean. We have free will, which you get to exercise in all of your choices, big and small. And I would argue that your small choices add up to mean more than your big choices. But really, really there aren't any small choices, right? All of our choices have merit and add up over time to create our beliefs and our biology. And our beliefs do inform our biology. That conversation you're having with yourself is broadcasting to every single cell in your body. It's our free will that puts us into co-creation with the universe. Our choices and how to think and our belief systems, how we take care of our physical bodies, how we choose to feel or avoid our emotions, how we choose to show up in relationship to others and ourselves. All of these are ways in which we get to be in co-creation every second of every day. And the best part is, is that there's no wrong way to do it. Every present moment that is passing is just an opening for you to choose again and choose yourself in a way that moves you towards what you want to create in a way that feels playful and joyous and magical. So if it feels heavy and you feel frustrated, check in with yourself. Ask yourself if you're in co-creation, are you really in be mode or are you in do mode? And are you doing these things because you're attached to the outcome? Because you think you should? Or are you doing them because they feel good? Because they feel aligned with your higher self? So working with spirit or the universe or woo or whatever you want to call it, it's not an entity that you convince to do what you want any more than it has complete control over you. So do not get in this trap of if I burn this sage and chant this thing, I'll get what I want. It doesn't work that way. And if it does, it starts to feel like this job of having to control this huge force outside of us. That's a very controlling way to go about working with spirit. But it makes sense why that would be our reaction if we have the underlying belief that the universe is ultimately in charge. 
Spirituality is something you want to work with because you are a part of it. You aren't separate from it. It is that light force flowing through you, no matter what you name it or what dogmatic principles you box yourself in with. So stop trying to control it or be controlled by it and learn how to be with it in every moment of every day as much as you can. And I promise you, magical things will start to happen. So if you are intrigued by this work, if you want to take this further, all kinds of journaling questions, practices, ways to help you practice communing with that higher force so that you can be in co-creation. And we do that all inside conscious conception. So I invite you to come and join us. And if it feels scary, perfect. It's even more evidence that you're on the right path of breaking out of the monotony. Thank you for spending your time with me. It feels really good to be back. And I can't wait to see what you co-create. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this podcast, I would love it if you would leave a short review wherever you listen. Your stars and kind words help other women find this podcast when it's their turn to conceive. I would consider it the ultimate thank you. And you might even be chosen to hear your review read on one of our podcasts. Bye for now.